Matthew 16:21 to 28 From that time on Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Out of my sight, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels and then he will reward each person according to what he has done. I tell you the truth, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Lord, we, we love the good news of your gospel, that you love us. We're not sure we like the part about suffering. But we pray, Father, that you will so speak to us this morning that we will see beyond the suffering to the reasons and understand that in the midst of the the turmoil and the challenge is life itself. And so we just ask you to breathe into your word your life and your spirit that we might have life and your spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. I've got to tell you a story to start, I think, because, you know, keeps you interested. I was a hero in 1975 for about an hour. <laughs> and I've never forgotten it. I was in Swaziland working as a vet. Ve- it's all right, it's not that exciting. I was working as a veterinary assistant and... Uh, Strangely enough, I wasn't in a very good mood. And I lived in a place called Umbabani, which is in the hills of Swaziland. It's the capital city, which is smaller than Port Alberni. And this was 32 years ago, so it's so before some of you were born. I don't know who, but... <laughs> and I drove into the parking lot one lunchtime in a, a relatively foul mood. And uh, I just got out of my van and this guy was running toward me and somebody was running behind, stop him. And my luck and his luck, he was coming right toward me and I was in a foul mood. And this was just what I needed. And I wasn't really, I'm not a very violent person, but this uh, Swazi guy came running up and he sort of went by me. And as he went by me, I kicked as hard as I could his ankle and he fell flat and I jumped on him and I was a hero. The guy, he had stolen some money 
So we took the money and gave it back to the owner. And when I walked into the mall, there was the hero for an hour. So they forgot about it. What a life, if that's my finest hour. (laughs) Are we talking today about a hero who is far more than that? Who so defeated Satan that whatever was stolen from me or you was restored? And we're talking about the cross this morning. The cross which is often not understood or often not fully utilized. The cross we've talked about a, you know, a while back is the gateway to heaven. That doesn't mean the gateway to heaven when we die. It means the gateway to the resources of heaven while we live. That the reason that Jesus came was that he might be resurrected beyond death. He not only defeated the power of evil, you remember we talk about the prison camp, this place where we live on this earth is, is a place of struggle, is a place of darkness, is a place of confusion. In fact, it's flying in from uh, Dallas last Sunday and above the clouds there's this beautiful light sunlight and the, the clouds are, are incredibly puffy and beautiful and then underneath is the darkness. And I thought, you know, that's just like the kingdom of God. And every time you pray, maybe when people pray, they punch holes in the clouds and heaven shines through. And I think God's desperately trying to say, you know, there's a lot more heaven available on earth. But the only place it's going to come to earth is through the cross. And so we want to explore that a bit. You cannot have new life without death. You cannot have resurrection without laying down your life. And so when Jesus tripped up Satan and totally defeated him and took back what he had stolen and he says, well, John, you can have it. You just have to acknowledge that you need a saviour. That your life isn't what it was meant to be. So we go through Customs on the way into the States. And I mean, it's, it's getting worse and worse, isn't it? And you can fly out of Victoria and you get, you know, the little buzzer going all over you and then you go to Seattle and the same thing happens. You go through customs and they see what you're trying to smuggle in. It's the threshold or the gateway to another country. Well, the cross is Jesus' threshold to the kingdom. And just as in customs you walk through that doorway and the light either goes on and they say, excuse me sir, step aside. Which they did to me in Israel a long time ago. That's a memory I'm still being healed of. Which They went through everything. They took apart everything I had. They went and you know, um, x-rayed my soap. I, had, I, mean, I said I'm I'm clean. <laughs> and, uh, they, they, you know, I missed my flight and spent another day in Jerusalem. And uh, anyway, that's another story. The point is that they were very thorough. I actually think they were after my travel documents because they didn't give them back. So. And when we come to the cross, when we want to come into the presence of God, we go through that process and the lights go on. And what is revealed is attitude, 
unforgiveness and anything that's not being brought to God. And if it's not brought to God and confessed, then it basically becomes a barrier. So we smack up against this cross and it stops us from going anywhere and then we tend to get angry. I can't get through to God. God is not around. God is not, you know what it's, you know what it's like. And it's often because God says, well, you're not coming through with that. Jesus died on the cross for that. So lay it down. And it's not about just about sin, it's about attitudes of heart, because the cross is only, it's a place to leave the sin, but it's also a place to enter into the fullness of God. So it's about acknowledging that life is a gift from God and He's in charge. And He's a loving Father, but He's also in charge. And it is true that one day we are going to stand before Him and He's going to say, so how did it go? That's not a threat. It's merely a father saying to a very beloved child, how did it go? What did you do with what I gave you? See, the cross is about Jesus saying, I've laid down my life for you, but I actually ask you to participate in this thing. It's called a relationship. Because I value you highly. And you're not a robot and you don't want to be a robot, so we're entering into relationship. And I have loved you first and then I'm saying, so I'm waiting for you to respond and then when you respond, I'll respond and we go on like that. The cross is the gateway into life. It's the gateway into the kingdom and the presence of God. It's about, the cross is two pieces, doesn't it? This piece is about me surrendering. But it hangs on the central piece that is God, who enables it all to take place. We talked the other night on Tuesday about what does it mean to be a Christian. And, and, and there's sort of some struggle about what is the, 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 the emphasis as to who is, who is a Christian. And a Christian is basically somebody who knows that they cannot live life without the living God. That Jesus laid on the cross, died on the cross for my rebellion and my sin and my willfulness. And as I acknowledge that and admit to that, fess up to it, God says... You know, it's like, you know, I call it, uh, if you own your own stuff, I can handle you. If you won't own your own stuff, they'll have trouble. You know, that's really, I think, what God's saying. Me and God, we work together. As Dave would say, tight. But it's, it's about, it's not all a free ride. It's about a relationship that has consequences and has responsibilities. So the cross is not intellectual and it's not a theory. It's where Jesus bled and died for you and me and where we say yes or no to him. It's a place of conviction and commitment. And Jesus, when he was speaking to to Peter or the disciples, and he said, I've got to go up to Jerusalem and I've got to die. And Peter says, no, no, no. I mean, that's unusual for Peter. Pretty much everything that is hinged to our salvation, Peter said no to. 
And I think there's a lot of Peter in all of us. Jesus, I want to follow you. I want the miracles. I want the multiplication of bread. I want the streams of living water. I want the love of the Father. But death on a cross, I don't think so. How's your relationship with God right now? What's the blend like? How much do you want the love, but you basically do whatever you want? I want the love, but I'm not buying the knee. It's really easy in the West to be talkative Christians with no lifestyle to pack it up at all. And so the West is not Christian. Because you know and I know that people who don't know God, they're audiovisual people. They watch. It's not about perfection, it's about authenticity. See, the voice of Satan whispers to Peter, no, don't go there, it's too hard. The voice of Jesus says, we need to go there if we want life. And so the cross, when it's really applied, has the result of transforming a life. Being a Christian is not about how much we know. It's not about quoting scripture. Satan, you remember, quoted all the scriptures he needed when he tempted Jesus. Evil can easily masquerade. So knowing scriptures and talking about Jesus is actually, Satan can do that. He just won't bow to him. Satan will go right up to the cross, but he won't bow. And that's the difference. And so how do you know when somebody's, when somebody's um, been through the cross? Well, I think there are two ways you can know. And they're really quite simple and they're really embarrassing. You walk down the road and you bump into somebody. What comes out? When life is hell, what comes out? Because the test of the cross, you see, God works from the inside out. Our culture works totally from the outside in. Fake it, masquerade it, dress it up, dye it, bleach it, liposuck it, do whatever you want, but you know, make it look good. And it's so where God is not. It's so irrelevant, which is what we'll get to in a minute, because Paul said he chose the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. The cross was not... I'm not talking about you, Wayne. Don't be so... <laughs> Wayne's truck, that's right. There you go. It confounds most of us, that's right. But it is a beautiful testimony of humility. When we bump into somebody when things are going badly, what comes out? And when we bump into somebody when things are going really well, what comes out? 
See, both, both extremes, success and struggle, will reveal what's inside very quickly. Who we trust, what our ethics are. What's it like when you've got nothing and what's it like when you've got lots? What comes out from the inside? What would people see if they watched? He must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. In another place he says, take it up daily. What does that mean? You know, it's really very simple. The cross is about being cleansed, being humbled, being made new day by day. If you know what it looks like and smells like to be around somebody who doesn't shower very often, well, it's the same thing about the cross. If you don't go to the cross every day, it won't take, it'll take a couple of days and it'll start showing. There'll be a fragrance that's not of Jesus around you. And you can wash your clothes and iron them as much as you like. You can buy as many as you like. You can dress up everything around your life. But I guarantee you, when somebody bumps into you or converses with you and you haven't been at the cross and the Spirit of God has not worked in your heart, that is obvious. Much, much more obvious than we like to know about. Isn't it? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, self-control are things that you can't fake, but they're incredibly visible in the intangible, aren't they? And that's really what Jesus came to do. He said, I come that I might bring life and that my people, those who follow me, would be known by their courage, by their humility, by the characteristics that come from the inside out of human beings who have been touched by my cross. Characteristics of human beings who know that they are vessels of clay in whom an incredible treasure is being released. So the cross is like uh, you know, a plug going into electric socket. It's not a big thing, but it has a huge impact. And just as you can't fake power, electric power, you can't fake the Spirit of God. And so we need to learn, if we haven't already, to love the cross. Just as you love having a shower, maybe. You could even soak in the cross. And just say, Lord, here I am. There's no condemnation. It's about revelation, being set free. It's about talking to Jesus about the things that I struggle with. And he says, I understand. But it's much easier to lead you when we both understand it's a struggle for you. Because denial is really difficult to deal with. And authenticity is one of the most attractive things that the world wants to see. Authentically you, whether you're washing dishes, whether you're walking down the road, whether I'm whatever I'm doing. And authentically me is also screwing up and saying sorry. Or I don't know, or I'm struggling, or life is the pits right now. I can glorify Jesus with all of that. Because I just say it. I used to joke in the pub when I was really in a bad way. A few years, quite a few years ago, thank God, right now. And I would say, you know, because I, I, I was really having time out with Jesus. I was totally fed up with him and his family. And I 
but the irony was if you know occasionally in the pub there would be some talk about God and I would defend him completely and and I would rise up and I'd do the whole you know well of course he's real and of course he's true and of course Jesus died on the cross and I said you know I can take you right to his doorstep and introduce you I'm just not talking to him right now and I told him that I said I totally believe this I'm just not talking to him right now I'm fed up with him and I think they respect that so there's a real big surprise for you this morning you don't have to listen to me all the time I've got a sketch for you if Dave can help us work it we've been talking about how to share your faith Um, um, how, how to share your faith I believe sharing your faith is about you know the fact that we would need to be told how to share your relationship with Jesus is about as crazy as having a workshop on um, how to spread flu. <laughs> you know, if you catch it and you've got it, other people will get it. And so the encouragement is the more authentically we can live, the more we can accept ourselves, and the more we can actually relax with who we are and say, but God is still working with us, the more easy it is to just share Him with others. The sketch is from the conference I went to. (laughs) It's from the conference I went to. It's a bag lady talking to a political strategist. Off you go. So you have a man who's typically driven and a woman who's come to the end of herself and manages in the midst of her own struggles to authentically speak of Jesus. That's all you need to do. The only reason there's nothing to say to someone else is when nothing's happened to me. The cross is a place of reality. It's a place where Jesus says, I love you and I die on the cross for you and I've risen for you. Come to me, day by day. I am your Lord and life is lived from that place outward. And when that happens, things happen in our lives. I promise you, and you know that. But the cross is like a shower. How would you like it if somebody said, well, in January of 1985, I gave my heart to the Lord and had a shower. And I've never had a shower since then. The effectiveness of the cross, the effectiveness of God working in our lives is a daily thing. And it's as we relate to Jesus, as he works in us. Think of electric power. You know, you get electric power, you plug it in and you use your resources. 
In five years' time, there are all kinds of other things that have been discovered that you can use electric power for. Five years after that, there's more. Well, the cross is like that. The more we spend time with Jesus around the cross, the more it ripples out and the more we see the impact and the more we see how relevant it is. And the more we work and walk with Jesus, the more he begins to change us from the inside out. And we don't even see it and somebody turns around and says, you've changed. Oh, yeah, you're nicer. You don't get so angry anymore. You're more generous. You're more compassionate. You have more time or whatever. And you smell the fragrance of Jesus. You can't fake it. And that's what was so attractive about the early Christians. And what Paul said was really where we're going to end up, which is just foolishness and weakness and imperfection are quite fine with God. Because he said, if I have a cracked jar that I can put my treasure in, that's all I'm looking for. I'm not looking for a beautiful pot that is self-sufficient and full of stuff. Because I can't grow anything in there. And furthermore, the more beautiful the pot, the more it will seek to glorify itself, the more it will seek to, to basically say, it's me who did this. And that's what I love about that sketch, is this eccentric lady, in all of her eccentricity, glorifies Jesus. And why do we worry so much about being together, or being good in image? And we just glorify ourselves. So that's why it's so cool to be authentic, because you can basically say, I'm a work in progress. But I can tell you this. And people will listen, because the bridge between us and them is the imperfection, is the struggle, is the incompleteness. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than men's strength. The foolishness of God is very simple, it's humility. Humility, humility, humility. I can't, he can. So as we come to break bread this morning, ask the Lord about where you're living. Be encouraged. Hear him say, I can use you. I love you. I can make you new. But there's a Peter rising up in us as well that says, Oh no, not that. Oh no, not this way. Oh no, not Jerusalem. There will always be that. There will always be a part in us that says, I don't want to go there because of... And the problem with the cross is it was big enough for one. Your friends, your family can't go there for you. It's your life. Jesus is your saviour. And he's your truth.
And every day he'll scan you with that wand and say, have you been there? I think it's the place of the greatest freedom. Jesus said, or Paul said, the Jews demand miraculous signs and the Greeks demand wisdom. But for me it's the foolishness of the cross where the power of God is most. Because you see, miracles are things you watch and experience maybe and wisdom is stuff you think through and the cross is a place where you humble yourself and go, Lord, here I am. And I believe actually that God is calling us to keep his cross front and center of everything we do. It's the power of God against evil and it's also the power of God to transform our lives. It's where I have to lay down myself daily. It's also the gateway to heaven which is where he will pour his life back into us if we go through. If we don't go through what we will have is a relationship with God where all I do is confess sin and try and keep out of trouble. It'll be awful. It's religion. Religion that only comes up to the cross and confesses sin is awful. Because you just make resolutions to try and change and you're doing it from the outside in. But Jesus didn't say come to the cross and stop there. He said come right through the cross into the resurrection and I will fill up that emptiness which results of you giving me your stuff. I'll give you my stuff and change will start taking place. And that's why I'm so passionately about us learning how to pray more. Thank you, Lord, that you've given me. Thank you, Lord, that you have. Thank you that you're working in me. Thank you that... Because Jesus and God the Father are calling us into a future. And if we don't go beyond the cross, we're stuck in the past. And that's what the transforming power of God is like. So that woman, her circumstances could never change but she might be totally different. And she can speak to a strategist on a park bench in DC. Well, what can you and I do? And so I encourage you in your groups, I encourage you in your relationship with Jesus. Love coming to the cross because it's the place of life. There's much more life at the cross than the death. So Father, we bless you for first loving us we thank you for sending Jesus that he would be a bridge between us and you and break down the barrier of our rebellion and we pray for your Holy Spirit to work in us to both convict us of things that get in the way of you but also to lead us through that into seeing the view on the other side of the cross that is so dramatic and so dynamic that we we just want to be there Lord, we'll get in planes and fly for hours in cramped quarters to go to Hawaii or to go to some place in the sun. We'll endure for what lies ahead. We pray that you will open our eyes so that we would endure the, the dying to self that is required at the cross because of what lies ahead. And we would love the things of you more than we would love the things that we hold on to. And so Lord, we bring you ourselves right now. We bring you whatever the Lord's raising up. He's raising up stuff in each of us. 
where he says, will you bring that to me? And we might be like Peter saying, no, I don't want to go there, I don't want to do that, I don't want to lay down that. And We can even start there and say, Lord, I'm struggling to do this, but I ask you to help me. He's such a cool God that he will help us die as well as live. But Father, we pray for one another that you would lead us into authenticity in our relationship with you, that we too uh, would be able to share how Jesus is the cornerstone, how Jesus bears the weight of our lives, how Jesus has made the difference, and how without him we would have nothing that would really be worthwhile.